So, Chris, uh, what have you been up to? <laughs> uh, I've been very, very busy. Uh, I, it turns out um, the baby that I was expecting decided to come a little bit earlier than we thought. And last week, uh, I have now um, been... Well, I, I have a new baby girl. I, I have a, a baby daughter, and her name is Holland. And she's amazing. She's still a little tiny thing, so... Um, She's hanging in there, and she's doing a wonderful job and just getting bigger. But, uh, yeah, wasn't really expecting to do that this soon, and here we are. Here we are. Well, first off, congratulations. I know myself speaking, but also I'm sure so many of our listeners are all very excited for you. And, uh, you know, I think um, we can all forgive you for the fact that (laughs) the surprise birth of your daughter uh, delayed our review of Episode 8 of American Horror Story, uh, the final episode of this season of american horror stories it, it turns yeah out. yeah it, it, it's been a bit busy the last few days so i appreciate everyone's patience um uh something fun that i did do i did this with the birth of my first kid too is i recorded the sound of the birth and like what was happening so you, we go back and like listen to it it's a little different than like videoing your child a child getting born because that could be low graphic for some people or it's too much but if you just record the sound of it and i encourage anyone to do this just as a voice memo um, and then you can listen back and hear all the sounds of like what you were saying to each other, you know, what the doctor was saying. And then the first cries of the baby when the baby comes out, whether by C-section or, uh, the other way, vaginal delivery. Um, it's really cool. And then it's pretty emotional because then like podcasting, you just experience it in a different way than you would with, uh, uh, um, a video, a visual, um, documentation of, of the birth so i i did that and i've listened to it a few times already it's pretty awesome i recommend yeah. it that is awesome and someday you'll be able to share that with your daughters yes yeah don't worry i won't play it on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> no this is a different kind of horror story on this podcast <laughs> yeah uh speaking of should you want to just do this let's dive in Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story and its sister series, the anthology spinoff American Horror Stories. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Um, I guess I was wrong. There are only eight episodes, and here we are at the end. Tyler, how do you feel about that? Ooh, man. We'll, we'll, get, we'll unpack that in just a few minutes. Um, <laughs> the word that comes to mind for me is anticlimactic. Mm, yeah, it was. It kind of it, it kind of petered out. Exactly, um, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the matter as well. Um, so we shouldn't hesitate, uh, and, and we should get right into diving in in just a minute. A couple things I wanted to bring up first. Um, as always, even in the off season, we love it when you share your. Um, theories, thoughts, questions, ideas with us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. As of now, and I just double-checked this, there's still not an official date out yet for the new season of American Horror Story, but uh, you know, there's been rumors it'll be end of September, maybe it'll end up being October, we'll see. Obviously, we will be back with a preview episode once we learn more, um, but yeah, you can still communicate with us in the meantime, and we're always happy to interact and respond, and thanks to everyone who did so this, um, I guess, the season of stories. Also, want to thank everybody who donated coffees to us, uh, the virtual coffees that help keep our keep our servers on over the course of this past season. Um, so really appreciate that. Thank you again. And if you're interested in doing so, 
um, as well, then you can do it at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S, all caps. That's T-A-H-S, all caps. Um, before we talk about the cold open of Lake Chris, um, one thing I wanted to mention that I thought was cool is Emma reached out via email um, and said that uh, she lives in Colorado, I guess. And there mm-hmm. there's a lake called Lake Mead, and mm-hmm. the water levels are dropping there as well. Um, and there's been a lot of articles about like human remains being found th- as the lake levels drop. And so there's like yeah. stories like this that potentially inspired Lake. Yeah, it's it's happening all over the country right now because the drought. As soon as they mentioned uh, the drought, I was like, wow, this is very relevant. Um, bodies showing up, uh, old shipwrecks are showing up. There's a lot of cool stuff and you know history that's being uncovered because the water levels are so low. So yeah, right out right out the news. Right out the news. It feels relevant, that's for sure. And I feel like they they mention like yeah the mm-hmm. drought and climate quite a bit. Um, before we dive into the cold open, Chris, we are talking right now on like a Tuesday afternoon, and so, uh, but out of tradition, I need to ask what you're drinking. Dude, I'm not drinking anything right now. I forgot to this grab something. This is a first. This is a first. Wow. <laughs> I like ran downstairs because we just come back from the hospital. I had my lunch and, and I just brought it downstairs. I was like, I'll record real quick. And then I forgot to get something. But I was going to have a Sprite. I was going to say, you're drinking in the joy of being yeah. uh, a father. So that's, yes. that's what you're drinking while, while I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I'm drinking ice cold water out of a, <laughs> a tan camelback water bottle. So that's where we're at today. Lake water? No. Uh, hopefully not. And hopefully not yeah. uh, Lake Prescott water. <laughs> <laughs> with that uh, being said chris why don't you take us there and walk us through the cold open sure cold open we have surprise a group of young attractive people cruising uh in a pontoon on the lake um they're bumping doja cat they're just kind of nerdier but like really fit dude um excited about his topo map uh topography map that he found uh, and it where that which shows the the last location of reedsville which was a small town that's under the lake. Uh, of course, turns out, surprise, they're right on top of it. Um, there's some dynamics in the group there. There's uh, also on the boat is this kind of like cute girl that he's got a crush on. And there's also his sister on the boat who's the sober one and kind of like looking out for her brother. He's like, who's going to come with me? He would prefer that the hot girl that he's got a crush on go with him. But his sister's like, I'll go with you. And he's a little annoyed about that. Uh, and he says, you don't have to protect me. She says, I think I do. Uh, that girl's kind of a skank and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they grab their snorkels and their fins and they start exploring the lake floor, which is surprisingly clear for a lake. <laughs> um, this, they spot a tricycle um, and they kind of come up to the top and they go back down and they see a sign for the town or of a ch- the church or something. Uh, the sign, I couldn't really get a good read on what the language on the sign was. But then um, as they're looking around, there's some brick structures and uh, Jake, his name is, the brother, uh, is kind of near the, the bottom where some algae and some sea plants are, da- or lake plants are down there. And a hand just pops out and grabs his ankle. Um, and Finn, who is the sister, uh, swims to the top and says, help, help, he's drowning. She dies back down and he looks like he's already dead. Um, but then whoosh, he gets pulled right uh, down to, it, seem, it seems like, into the lake bed, into the lake floor. And then we get our credits. 
Yeah, um, you know, it's not. It's one of the shorter cold opens we got this season, I think. A couple things of yeah. note. I think we learned later that Lake Prescott, this lake, is supposed to be in Georgia, and that's why you get kind of the guy with the southern accent in the flashbacks. I think it's... I think it's North Carolina. Is it North Carolina? I wrote down Georgia be- for some reason. Okay. Because in the, toward the end, they say that Prescott, Reed Prescott, was trying to keep up with Georgia, and so he did oh. the, the Tar Heel State to fall behind. Okay, I just misinterpreted that particular alignment. So it might be North right. Carolina, but also, like, you know, it could have been... This could have taken place in Florida, could have taken place in California. Right. I feel like this drought story, like, kind of could have centered anywhere. I think what, what where they tried to make it regional was, like, the... Reed Prescott's like southern demeanor and kind of the flashback to him. Um, right. I also wanted to mention that Jake, the boy who dies, who I mean, pretty much has a, has a relatively small role other than like flashbacks and appearing as like a dead zombie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his name is Bobby Hogan. He's from Nine One One Lone Star. Is like his okay. Ryan Murphy connection, as have been many in the season of stories. And then uh, Haley, who's the sister, who is throughout the episode, of course. Oh, her name's. No, Haley's Haley's the girl. The uh, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. Um, Finn. Finn, Finn, yes, yeah. not Haley. Haley's the cute girl. Finn. Uh, we don't we don't see Haley again, so we don't really care about her. Finn is a play by Olivia Ruyere, Ru- 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 um, who, from what I can tell, is mainly a YouTube star. Oh, yeah. interesting. She didn't do a bad job. Um, I thought. Yeah, I also wanted to say that like I just kind of liked the. Uh, I, as you said, like it's kind of interesting that the lake is this crystal clear. Maybe that's not realistic, but I thought it was kind of spooky, like being underwater and seeing the bike and seeing the hand come up and stuff. Like there's something kind of creepy about the way the world is underwater. Um, I don't know if I mean you've done a lot of fishing and all the kind of things like being in lakes and open bodies of water. And if you think back to um, like old camping movies and stuff, I mean, we even vi- revisited in like 1984 where you have like creatures come out of the lake. There's something kind of spooky and mysterious about. Yeah. I think I so. mentioned this in one of our previous uh, episodes, but I, I also like a couple weeks ago saw the movie, the deep house. Uh, it's a really good movie, but it's about um, a couple that goes uh, on. They, they commission a guide to take them to this haunted house. That's, under the lake and they go diving and they get stuck down there, but they've got like scuba gear and everything. So they're down there for a while and spooky stuff starts happening. And it just like the idea that this episode sets up about being in a haunted area of the lake is awesome. I love the premise. Yeah, me too. Me too. Then of course we go dive into our credit sequence, um, which, you know, is again, like underwater, uh, very water themed, it seems like. Um, and here's where we learn the rest of our cast. It includes Alicia Silverstone, who of course, uh, Alicia Silverstone, who of course we were excited just from like throwback '90s, '80s movies, mm-hmm. '90s movies. Clueless is '90s, right? Nine, '90s and Aerosmith music video. Yeah, Alicia yeah. Silverstone. Ba- sure. Blast from the past. Uh, mm-hmm. Great movie. Oh yeah. Um, and then Teddy Sears, who it's mm-hmm. worth noting. Do you, do you recognize Teddy? Oh, yeah, from uh, Murder House. Yeah, he's Patrick in Murder House, uh, mm-hmm. um, Chad Warwick's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was also played Jim Fisher in American Crime Story, uh, the most recent one, I think, Impeachment. Um, he was also in The Politician, so he's like uh, very much a Ryan Murphy veteran, but really hasn't had like a leading role. Yeah, yet. he's a good standby, solid solid person, uh, actor to put in there. I think he did great. Kind of felt like a little bit of a soap opera movie. This this whole oh, thing felt like a lifetime movie. It sure did. I, I wrote that in my notes too. That's funny. <laughs> we, we have not consulted. 
No, uh, we have not. <laughs> uh, this episode was was written by Manny Cotto. So as we said, Manny did a lot of work this season. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by uh, Tessa Blake, who uh, directed the episode Inside from last season's uh, American Horror Story double feature. Okay. Was Inside um, part of Red Tide or was Inside part of... Uh... Uh, what 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 was the awful second half? <laughs> oh, Death Death Valley is what Death Valley, of. yeah. And inside, I think or I didn't write this down in my notes. I think it was from Red Tide, but somebody can correct us on that one. Uh, Death Valley. Oh, it was Death Valley? Was it inside the ship? Maybe. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so Tessa Blake, you know, another American Horror Story veteran. Moving on to, of course, the meat of this episode, which is kind of all the aftermath of Jake dying in the lake, right? We know we start with, it's four months later. Uh, we see Alicia Silverstone and Teddy Sears for the first time. We get the sense that they are Jake's parents very quickly. And we learn that Finn has been away for some time. Uh, it appears that she's been in like a mental health center of some kind. Um, we the, later, the best one in the city, apparently. And we later learned that, like, it was um, Jeffrey, who is the, the dad's name. Who, yeah, Jeffrey and Aaron. Jeffrey Aaron's, and Aaron, right. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey's the one that, like, pushed her to go to this rehab center, basically. Um, or, or, you know, yeah. Mental uh, health facility. Mental health facility. Thank you. Um, the parents, though, we do get the parents' tension very quickly between them, which resonates throughout the episode. Um they have different opinions on even just like the handling of grief, right? It starts off with Jeffrey being very kind of quiet, like um, isolated and uh, not really, I guess Aaron feels a distance between them. Um, he's very like quiet and self-reflective where it seems like she's trying to be more positive and like think Move war- forward, think warmly of Jake and like appreciate his, um, I don't know, like celebrate his life, right? And, and like yeah. not kind of block it all up and stuff like that um i will say in these are these scenes i don't know if you got this but to me teddy sears the actor has like kind of a scars guardian look to him oh yeah i think i've said this before like when we did a redo of um of murder house. house he's like uh um alexander scars like uh Two, not 2.0 like the beta version maybe i don't know but <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't i don't i'm not trying to knock teddy sears he's Great too, but uh, but yeah, they're very similar. He looks like he could be a Skarsgård cousin totally. or brother. Mm-hmm. Very handsome, tall, blonde, Nordic looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the first kind of part portion of this episode, uh, you know, the main part of this episode is really just getting a uh, peering in to see how the family's each dealing with the grief. We see Aaron talking to Finn just about like how she turned the casket into a time capsule because there was no body and all the different things of his that she put in there. Um, mm-hmm. To me, this is this is when I wrote in my notes. This conversation feels a little bit like a lifetime movie because even some of the dialogue, I think, like Finn at one point says in here, like, "But am I okay, Mom?" It just seemed like, kind of like a pretty corny line to me. Yeah, the 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 dialogue per use was not the best. Yeah, <laughs> or didn't feel the most authentic. The emotions and things that people are going through and how they handle grief differently. Absolutely, that is everyone processes differently, and they were all processing a little differently. Um, but the way they uh, conveyed that to each other or through their through their dialogue uh, with each other is a little weird. It felt very like like a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty quickly here, um, we get back to some of the horror elements, though. Uh, while Jeffrey's working with headphones in bed, Aaron decides to run a bath. 
but that bathwater quickly turns dirty and a hand reaches out from the drain just like it did for Jake in the lake. Um, and she screams and like backs up, but of course, Jeffrey doesn't hear this because he's got head earbuds in. When she looks back in, the water's fine. It was all, she's unsure if it's just like, you know, her, you know, in, in her mind, basically. Yeah, she hallucinated it, yeah. So she begins to dig in and research whether or not Lake Prescott was cursed. We see this on her computer. Um, and this is also like a scene in which we continue to tease out the tension between her and Jeffrey. Uh, the fact that she's like been unemployed for some time um, and it's like maybe wants to look for a teaching job, maybe doesn't. And he's like encouraging her to kind of get back out there. And they kind of have like actual, it seems like they reconciled quite quickly, but he has like uh, a moment where he's like, you're right. You need me to be stronger. You, and well, no, he's like, you need me to like not have be so walled off and be a part of this family. And then again, you get one of those kind of corny lines. I mean, well-written line, but kind of corny where Aaron says, we don't need you to be stronger. We just need you to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Be present. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. And that's a great way to, it's a little corny, but it, it's a, that's a great way to, that, I like that line. <laughs> I liked it too. I liked it too. And he just vows to be better. Right. In the subsequent night, though, Aaron again hears this, like, well, she hears water this time that she did not turn on and, like, goes to investigate. Uh, she goes downstairs. The kitchen sink is on. And when she turns it off, she hears something from outside and, like, the door suddenly, like, the sliding door bursts open or something like that, right? And she goes out to look at the pool. They've got this beautiful pool, by the way. And it's yeah. like there's water, like, bubbling up, leaking from, like, the, the vent into the filter area basically uh and that's when she hears a voice and then like jake appears in front of her and says find me find me and he's like rotting lake monster jake but she just seems more like curious (laughs) rather than like terrified of him you know yeah yeah Uh uh-huh and then yes this is where i was starting to get some like pet cemetery vibes kind (laughs) of yeah there are some pet cemetery vibes great book uh, and this is like where we start to like bounce back. The relationship is just kind of weird with um, Jeffrey and Aaron, where it's like they reconcile one minute and then they bounce back to arguing in the next. I guess maybe there's some real life stuff there, but you know we feel like they just kind of got over their stuff. But then, you know, Aaron conveys that she wants to go back to the lake, and Jeffrey's like, "Hey, didn't we just talk about like getting past this? And now you like want to go f- like look for him again?" Uh, yeah, and he like you know t- tells her it's all mental health stuff basically um but finn of course overhears aaron believes her and then they decide they're gonna like go back independent of jeffrey right uh this is where they this is where they should have planted i think a little more seeds about him having like more of a connection to this location as opposed to just he's busy working yeah this this house has been in our family for generations like it seems like there's some things they could have done here it's classic. I th- I have to go back and look, but it's classic Kodo where you like there's a twist at the end. They're like, wait, what? What? That wasn't that wasn't threaded well enough for for it to be earned. <laughs> there there was a couple that felt well earned this season, um, but this some felt was, good, some didn't. Yeah, this one I I don't know. Most did. Um, but, but this is a perfect spot where that where that could have happened. Exactly, exactly. And then back at the lake, you know. Um, Aaron has all these fond memories, I guess, of, like, the family together, even though the scene is kind of corny again. So corny, but cute, whatever. We, we get the point. And, she, you know, the lines are like, I can't believe I'm back here. I swore I'd never come back. It just feels like, it almost feels a little, like, self-aware mocking horror, like, horror movies that say things like this, you know? <laughs> they, uh, they could have pushed it even further and just gone totally camp with it, and that maybe would have saved some of the silliness of 
how they're talking to each other and what's happening, but eh, oh well. I know. You know, they, they go out into the lake, and of course, Aaron it feels like she's going to avoid being dragged down just by having this rope around her waist. Mm-hmm. And after a couple dives, she finds the tricycle down there, so they know they're kind of in the right place. Um, and she finds, uh, like, bodies, basically, chained to, like, this giant concrete block. Yes. So here is where I was starting to think a few things. One is like, oh, maybe you get sucked through and you go to a different dimension, which that like the upside down and stranger things like that'd be kind of cool. Uh, two, this looked like it could have been like an altar. So maybe this was like some community of cultists that lived in the town in Reedville. That was, you know, what like it was an altar that something happened and they need to trade a body for a body or there's a reason why. But that that wasn't the case. There's three bodies chained to this just cement slab uh, that are looking like they're just decomposed. Exactly. Um, and then she she sees some necklace that she pulls. Right. Um, she snags it off one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then she does get grabbed, though. There's an arm, and um, Finn, you know, desperately tries to pull her out of the water with the rope. But suddenly the hands let go, and we see that it... I, I, like we see it's Jake, right? That was holding her. I don't or? know. If, I, I don't know if we know if it was him, but we do see after she's released that his body kind of like floats up toward her. Obviously he's dead. His eyes are still open, but he looks, he's pretty dead. Yeah. I made in my head, I wrote that it, like Jake is the one that was holding her there for a second. Like come find I think that would have been more interesting, but I, I think it probably was the, the lake people uh, who were holding her there so they could see Jake's body so their plan could go into motion. Well, and obviously, regardless, they give Jake's body back, it so seems. Um, and Aaron has this whole conversation with the sheriff about how impressed he is. Uh, yeah. But, you know, at, at her detective capabilities, um, which it just seems like, again, the lake people like kept the body until she came, basically. Uh, you know, she... She shows the sheriff the necklace, and somehow he knows the family name on the la- on the family name from the necklace, and they had this relationship to the lake. I think the family name is Boone. Boone, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know he he tells them about this living descendant. So Aaron and Finn decide they're going to go talk to this living descendant, but then Jeffrey calls. Of course, he's pretty pissed because they went to the lake without telling him. Uh, but of course, as soon as she tells him about the body, he like totally re reverses and everything else and he's just happy they can have a service um and i don't know i I was a little i thought teddy's teddy sears acting in this like with the maybe it was not fair to him with the script to have him jump back and forth so much but i wrote in this note my note here that like the acting seemed a little rough for me in this spot yeah even in the Frankly, in the opening scene when we first meet Aaron and Jeffrey, like I think Alicia Silverstone did a great job. She she she's got this kind of unique type of thing that she does, and, and and it's just it it came across as interesting and different. Uh, I think Teddy, you know, I'm not, I don't do this for business, so I'm not trying to knock, but it's uh, it just felt a little more just like phoning it in, you know, do it. Do it. He, he did a fine job, but it wasn't anything that added the character, brought the character to life more. And he does do that. We've seen him do that. With, in other characters Patrick yeah Patrick he was great yeah yeah it, it, and that's where kind of this whole kind of like soap opera vibe seemed to come through at least to me yeah mm-hmm. uh, so Iron and Finn go visit Ms. Boone uh, this is played by Heather Winters who fun fact played Daphne a nun who was mainly in the background in Asylum but has been in some of our favorite episodes oh like the <laughs> cool well actually that's not fair I put that played Daphne 
in Asylum. Uh, I didn't. Daphne was like a part that only ever appeared in the background, so I didn't go look at this. Daphne could well be a patient at the Asylum, not a nun. So that's not a fair. Mm, uh, that's not a fair okay. thing for me to say. But in the background, Heather Winters was in a number of episodes in Asylum, so okay. we can go check that out, and others can as well. Shitty gray hair is Millie Boone. Right, you know, they show her the name tag. She tells them all about her grandfather, Maynard Boone, um, who was killed by Reed Prescott, the businessman who built all these dams. Uh, And that's where we get the flashback, of course, where apparently some people didn't like the fact that the dams are getting built. And we have this, like, scene where Reed Prescott chains these guys to concrete and then lets them be, like, drowned alive when the new dam is basically put in. Which... Does that make sense? Because if you're trying to make an example of the people who are fighting the dam and you just kill them, even though the dam clearly had already been approved, if you're going to flood the area, like there's so much. This is a very common story of things that happened about power and dams being done in the 1800s and afterwards. uh, And small towns are flooded like this happens. It happens in Missouri and Georgia and North Carolina. Like it happens, California. Um, And it's a cool premise for a ghost story. Um, but the 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 fact that they went the direction of the guy who the bad guy business guy who wants to put in the dam and taking the land is not like that it it wouldn't have really happened this way like most of those people got bought out and anyone who decided to stay there was a lot of issues that they weren't gonna just do this and if he was trying to set an example to get the other people to scare them to move them away to get them to sell their houses and, and move off the properties you do that before, not afterwards, just to be a dick, I guess. I don't know. Like, he already won because he got to flood the area and make the dam. So I don't know why he had to kill these three people anyway. Yeah, that part doesn't quite line up. But, I mean, you needed some ghosts to be in the lake to start yeah. off with, I guess, because... Someone should have been trapped when they flooded, and he didn't care, and he just let it happen anyway. And that would have been a better ghost story, I think. Yeah, than chaining him to the thing. Then. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, it, at least to your point, they didn't have enough context for like why he killed these people at this point. If he already was had the dam made, he just said they were troublesome. So he he rounded up three of the the biggest troublemakers, and he chained them while they while he flooded the area. Which flooding the area means the dam was approved. So they already lost. Why is he being a dick? Yeah, these troublemakers. Yeah, uh, and then of course <laughs> you know Ms. Boone ends the story by just saying how like. Every year they have a petition to take the dam down. So a little foreshadowing. There. Which is never going to happen. That is not going to happen because to honor the people who died. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that does seem kind of ridiculous. This whole, <laughs> this whole like premise of like trying to get a dam that generates power for probably thousands and thousands of um, of community or um, houses is just that's unless there's an alternative that, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, maybe it's just like not naming the maybe like symbolically naming the lake a different name name or something would do it. But like, yeah, the the fact that like they would take this dam down doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then <laughs> no. you know, I think it's uh, when they're talking about the petition is when Ms. Boone mentions that the the law firm that's keeping the name alive is this Spindler and Weber, and then we see this reaction from. Aaron, which indicates, I mean, pretty clearly, it tele- familiarity. Te- telegraphs at this point that it's, oh, well, it must be Jeffrey's firm, right? Because we, yep. we already learned that he was, like, burying himself in work at the beginning of this episode. Yep, yep. And then they go home to try to pack up, and but then he pops in, and they keep, she confronts him right there. Yep, Jeffrey pops in uh, unexpectedly, and she asks him about the, the dam, and... Uh, 
I don't know. At this point, I'm like, I wrote in my notes, like, why is he, like, why is she so mad? This is kind of, because this is before we know the, the family connection. It's like, he's just kind of doing his job. If he's like getting assigned this and like these people died so long ago, is he just going to be like, no, I'm going to, I refuse to do this assignment at work. You know, it's, I don't know. It felt like her anger at him was like not fully fair at this point. Um, like, why would he know the consequences of this dam that was put up in the 1800s or like, I don't know. It just felt too distant. Um, but then, of course, you, you know, um, I'm like reading my notes here. And I think this is where I was like, this is this is stupid. He's, this is stupid. He's only adjacently responsible. Um, then Jeffrey starts to get worked up, though. And it's like this is when it's like, OK, I guess she she was right to be mad at him because now he's being a, a dick, which seems to be the theme of the, a lot of the season is like husband slash boyfriend who's like well it's really like troubled troubled long-term relationship um oftentimes coming from the man except maybe in drive um but sorry uh, from yeah anyway um jeffrey starts to get worked up and then omg we learn that he is a secret prescott which somehow they didn't know his family history even though his family has a huge history in this area um and Aaron connects the dots that uh, the reason the lake wanted Jake is because Jeffrey is a Prescott. Um, but clearly it's not their last name or else that would have been, you know, mentioned much earlier. So it must be like his maternal line somehow. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I like This is like the whole when we get into these kind of arguments where exposition happens, where we kind of retcon the character into being a, a person that was not hinted at. Uh, you know, I, I started thinking, I was like, all right, he's probably Prescott when we saw the flashbacks and the, the bad guy Prescott, Reed Prescott was like super blonde. I was like, all right, well, maybe there's a connection here. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It, it's just when he, he's like, and I'm a Prescott and you're a Prescott and this is your legacy now too. And it's like, all right, dude, like, how did they not know this? How did they not know that you worked on this case every year and you were the head of this case? You know, I mean, I guess they hinted that he's always closed off, but I, I don't know. And then he flips it and makes it about money. It's like, you want your BMW? Like we never, I never had the idea that she was this snooty, like person that only cared about her lifestyle. I cared that I, I saw that she cared about her children. Like, you know, I know it, it was like, they were trying to work that into it too. It was like, all right, man. Yeah. And you know, part of me was wondering if this was supposed to be like a social message about like the impact of intergenerational trauma and damage and like you know but it was like too distant from it to like really make that point effectively if it was even what it was trying to do but like you know there's a lot of like confronting the idea that your ancestors you know someone's ancestors used to have slaves or something like that and that's like a more modern yeah. thing to think about but it that seems like if if at all it was only like flicked at so it doesn't really feel relevant um i was just and trying that, to like I mean, dig underneath what they were doing in that case make aaron like a boon descendant or something like that and then it's like oh now that we have a real like reason instead of him just being a jerk to her. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeffrey freaks the fuck out and suddenly the lights go out. The lake people emerge. To me, this felt like Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Where they're coming out of the water. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's true. <laughs> um, I put here, like, this part is kind of fun, I guess. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of fun. I'm like, why? Why did they just allow themselves to get surrounded by these like slow-moving zombie lake zombies? But yeah, there um, they go. Bryce pointed out in an email that this kind of reminded him of Feral, and I could definitely see that Feral from last mm. season of stories. Uh, but Jeffrey tries to fight them, but he gets surrounded and carried away into the lake. And then they just kind of watch him be carried off. And then, like, yeah, Aaron's <laughs> like, mm, no, we can't do anything, honey. I know. Sorry. She's like, she's like, you know, He's gone. They, we're, there's, <laughs> there's nothing we can tell the police. Your father's totally gone forever. Um, uh, you know, the, but climate change will reveal all. <laughs> yeah. She's like, the truth will come out. And that's that's mm-hmm. how this thing ends. Um, man, it was um, not the episode I expected to end this second season of stories with, but it's the episode we got. Uh, what should our rating mechanism be, Chris? Um, lake zombies. Lake zombies. Let's do it. I so I would say, um, I had a few questions that we didn't already cover. One is, you know, who? How was Aaron contacted? How are the lake zombies like contacting Aaron through her hallucinations or her dreams or that stuff? You know, supernatural, of course. But anyway, mm-hmm. and then also using Jake's body to do it. I, I don't know. I'm curious how they were able to access the outside world and why they waited till this amount of time to get back at the Prescott family. Um, the story is a little frustrating. I think I would have been much more interested in like the village below uh, and, and what happened and, and then trying to exact revenge on just more than just the Prescott family. Yeah. Um, and, and less dealing with, I didn't really enjoy all the grief and trauma themes of the family that was going through the loss of their brother and son. Uh, it was still okay though. Like at least Silverstone was great. Um, the, the, the daughter who played Finn was, I think did a good job. I think Teddy series, you know, we talked about it. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. It felt like a lifetime movie, a, a, a soap opera. I wish we would not have these like third act reveals that are just so forced sometimes. This makes sense for the storyline, but it wasn't threaded through enough for it to feel like, ooh. Like, you know, when when the, when the reveal happens in a movie and you get goosebumps, you're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it was fine. It wasn't the worst. It was not the best. So I, I give this three and a half decomposed bodies. Three and um, a what half. Do you, <clears throat> yeah, what do, you, what do you give it? Yeah, I just have such a problem. I'm really struggling to separate this episode from the fact that it's also the last episode of the season, which feels like yeah. it makes it worse for me than it would have been if it was placed in the middle Shuff- of the season. Try not to think of it that way. I say, because they remember they shuffled the order around, uh, in like after they started the first one or something. Right. So, right. So hmm. pretend it landed somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's suspend disbelief. Let's say it landed somewhere in the middle of the season. Um, man, um, you know, I I liked Alicia Silverstone. She was fine. I thought the actress that played Finn was fine. Teddy Sears, a little less than fine. But I, I mean, I feel like there was moments I liked. I, I thought the cold open I enjoyed. And I liked the idea, again, of the, the spookiness of seeing things underwater. Um, I liked the scene at the end with them coming out. But the relationship between Aaron and Jeffrey felt superficial. The whole family felt, like, manufactured. Like, even their moments were, like, so... They, they didn't feel real. They felt insincere because they felt too corny to me a little bit. So it was, I struggled back and forth. And then of course I felt like the whole ending fell apart with the tie to, uh, I think they could have just made yeah. it more complex with like 
him working at the firm or somehow, or or there needed to be better seeds planted early on that he was a Prescott instead of being like this weird surprise twist that like somehow, you know, they, they've been together for how long? Because, I mean, Finn has got to be 18, do we think older than that maybe? I, I assume college-ish or 20, 20? So like they've been together yeah. for 20 plus years and she doesn't know that, yeah. like his family I'm, history. I'm, so that part was just hard. Super- hard. Yeah, we get we get that a lot. Couples who don't seem to know each other, and I don't get that. But yeah. So anyway, sorry. I, so I mean, I think I think it's three point five two for me. I think that's right where it falls. It's like right in the kind of middle of the pack of this season. I would lower if 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 I would I would probably give it. I'd probably give it a three. If you know where it landed, where it landed at the end of the season. Um, yeah. But because if I'm if I'm abstracting it from that, I give it a three point five two. Okay. It felt like a, you know, I say we, we, we joked about um, it being a soap opera or a lifetime movie. It also feels like a, you know, like Fear Street did a really good job based off of R.L. Stein's like series about doing these like intergenerational stories that touch certain generations and the trauma and all that. And it's really, they do a great job with that. This is like a really not great version of that type of a story and it's sad because you know it's american horror stories you think with the with the power behind that branding and brian murphy that we get some solid stuff and we don't i know do you want to hear um what with our combined scores um our, yes yeah this is always a, a great part and, and you know major thanks to our friend josh uh, a listener who tracks our scores and puts them in a spreadsheet <laughs> thanks, for Josh. us to analyze. So this yeah. is this is always fun. Do you want to hear? Okay, so these are the episodes in order of highest, like highest to lowest rank, and this is our combined score uh, for this season of stories. So let's go with the one we liked the least first. Uh, that was Drive. No uh, surprise there. No surprise. Uh, total three point seven five points. Um, <laughs> pretty bad. Next was Milkmaids at six point two five points. Okay. Following Milkmaids was Facelift at six point seven five points, which I was kind of surprised that in retrospect. But yeah. Um, from there it is now Lake, which is at seven. Okay. Followed by Necro at seven point seven five, and then. We've got Ara at 8.25. Okay. And Dollhouse at wow. 9. Mm-hmm. Wait, where was Bloody Mary? Oh, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary was an 8. Sorry, I missed Bloody Mary. Yeah. It was an 8. So Bloody Mary was the third highest this season. I was going to say my three favorites were Dollhouse, Aura, and Bloody Mary. Um, I think if I'm going to rearrange that, I, I might I might move Facelift above Lake just because it was a little more fun and, you know, there's some cool stuff in there. Uh, it was a little more to me, the acting was but, better in Facelift, yeah. but the way Facelift ended, man, but like, yeah. it also like didn't, didn't end very well. Um, the if, message. Ugh. One takeaway I have from the season is that Manny Cotto had to do too much. I mean, he wrote four episodes, five episodes. Um, they definitely front loaded his two best episodes. If you were going to change the order of anything yeah. and like, my question would be, would you start off with a different episode or would you end with a different episode than we got? I would have ended with Necro maybe just because it was kind of a cool like go out the two of them die at the end and you know it's just a little more of a fanfare at the end as opposed to this one which just kind of like slumped away. I think I would have started with Ara and ended with Dollhouse like ended with oh. Dennis O'Hare at the end it would have been like a build up and he would have started strong and ended strong. Um, that's that's the way I, th- I feel like I would have had it. 
I no, I think you open with dollhouse no matter what because you got to open with your biggest. Otherwise, you're not going to have retain. Money. You're not going to retain people. So maybe you end with yeah. Ira. Then if you flip it around, that's totally fair. Um, yeah. So here's a question we got um, over. I think over email is if you could turn any episode from this season in, uh, or from stories at all into a full season of American Horror Story, which would it be? This is kind of the lightning round. Dollhouse, Dollhouse, one hundred percent. A Dollhouse is definitely. A fun one. Uh, I was I was trying to think if there was any others that like maybe could have made for a compelling full season. I don't think Ara, like maybe Lake, if it had given more time to breathe, like maybe we could have made it into a better episode. And more characters, and you could have flashbacks. But Dollhouse and, is yeah. the more unique premise, so I think you're probably right that Dollhouse is the best fit, um, at least from this yeah. season. Um, you know, from past season, I could see us doing something fun with like Feral being a full season would have been cool. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different areas in that in that. Uh, location where you could like have the story being told yeah and then finally one of our favorite questions season mvp oh shit um you go first this time uh it's gotta be dennis o'hare for me it's i know that's what i was gonna say too but but i want to give like a a uh, honorable mention to i think it's madison eisman who is in necro yes um i hope i thought she was very good and i hope we see her again I do too. I also hope she just, just blows up and and you know doesn't have to come back to American Horror Stories and she can do American Horror Story. Yeah, and I would say the third tier for me is Max Greenfield and Gabrielle Cedebay. Were Abs- they were great. Yep, I loved them together. Yeah, that was cool. Cool. Yeah. Any final questions? Um, here we are, wrapped up. Looking forward to American Horror Story, uh, and we'll, we don't even have a name for it yet, but we'll see what comes out. That's right. I, well, so. Um, We'll see you relatively soon, everybody. I guess we don't know how soon, but soon enough. Um, and in the meantime, if you have thoughts, theories, questions about either the new season of American Horror Story or the season of American Horror Stories, you can always reach out to us on Gmail at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. You can also rate and review our podcast uh, on any platform on which you listen to your podcast. We sincerely appreciate that. Chris, where can people find you between now and American Horror Story Season 11? Trying to take his naps as much as possible because I have an infant again. Uh, ha-ha. Um, I will be on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? You can catch me on those same platforms at TJMoss11. Once again, thank you all for listening. And until next time, hope you all have a wonderful September. Happy hauntings. <laughs>